Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here to day to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. the devil are you all thank you very much for joining us again this week this might sound a little bit different because some of you might have seen on facebook that there's been a bit of an issue with dan and uh we're not able to get to our recording equipment at the minute but we've been saved by a lovely listener who has sent her stories in so i think you'll enjoy these she's very down to earth And again it just shows you if you are thinking about sending your stories in this is the way to do it you know you can do it as this listener has done via a voice memo, you know, sent the voice memos to us. You don't have to come on the show. If you want to come on the show, that's not a problem. Um, but yeah, you can do it in voice memo. And again, I think you'll, you'll get a lot from these stories and those sort of stories that resonate with people. So thank you very much for this listener to send this in. You know, who you are, uh, thank you everybody else for your support. We've seen this show being shared and, the numbers going up so we know that you're telling your friends and family about us and just keep that keep that going that's fantastic and obviously a lot of you are supporting us uh patreon and apple which is you know unbelievable so thank you very much uh, right before we get into this show i just wanted to say that we are going to do a t-shirt giveaway 
competition, if you like. Competition, is that the right word? Maybe. Uh, all you got to do is I'll create a post for this show. So it'll go up on Facebook and other places, wherever we are. And all you have to do is share that link, uh, share that post, and that enters you into the competition. Then we'll pick one lucky winner. Get your T-shirt of your choice. Well, limited choice, obviously, because you can only have the show T-shirts. You can't just get Spider-Man T-shirt or, you know, but whatever. So anyway, enjoy these listeners' stories. Um, be sure to let me know what you think. And uh, I'm sure this listener will be... I'm calling her this listener because we don't want to use a real name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure this listener will be interested in what you guys think. And again, if you've got a story that's similar to this and you want to share it, it's supernaturalpod at gmail.com. The next episode will be up as soon as we can get together, me and Dan, so get them out as fast as we can at that point. We'll probably have to put two out in the same week again to, to catch up. But yeah, thank you for your support, thank you for your patience, and uh, here we go with listener stories. introduce myself um oh, I don't really care about the name do I care about the name I don't know um let's just say L that's easy it's my initial that's fine let's just say L um so just a bit of background um because I do I do kind of talk about this a little bit in some of my stories and you'll be thinking oh, I really don't know where that sort of links in but um childhood great childhood however uh, my dad had a terminal illness from when we were born um and he wasn't supposed to have lived himself as a child but he did and he had the first one of the first brother to brother transplants in the UK and that lasted um until he was 20 he was 47 and I was 21 and then he died so I think quite a lot of uh, people listening to the traumas, particularly the Chinese man, would say, mm, and I pray for help, <laughs> like everybody. I think that, that's just human nature. But other than that, I'm not really a devoted Catholic, although my granddad was a monk. Um, totally different story. Um, I'm also, um, <clears throat> as you know, a live foster carer, and that's why I don't want to use this. I'm coming out of it anyway. But, um, yeah, I don't particularly want any references to areas and that sort of stuff, but... Um, something else that I uh, yeah the other thing was um, <clears throat> I have a re- what I think is a relatively rare phobia um, but you might have come across it before um, I don't know but I've been to quite a lot of um, psychologists and I'm not going to say psychiatrist because it isn't really that bad but I've had it since the age of three and it's um, an absolute horrendous dislike of violence not just you know awful stuff I mean any anything I can't watch trailers for films I can't watch cartoons that have violence in um I get angry I get angry about people who do watch them and uh, can't express myself without getting angry which is a little bit ironic um it affects my life quite badly um obviously as you you know social media anything you can see somebody being beaten to death if you just put on the right social media or you know most films contain that or even tv programs uh, scheduled for seven o'clock so my life is a very controlled one in many ways in that in that respect because I'm very aware I'm very sensory I'm very empathic most people will say that but I am um and I can read rooms I can read people and I can sense situations um don't know if that's got any bearing on what I actually experience, but um, yeah, it's difficult sometimes. I've been to um, 
um, like counsellors, that sort of stuff. None of them can crack it, um, apart from taking my money. Um, so the best that they can come up with is that you've lived before. Now on that, um, do I believe it? Don't know, don't think so, I'm not sure. Uh, do I want to go into regression? Not a hope in hell. Um, and is that because I believe in it or don't believe it or I'm scared? Probably because I'm scared. Because I think there's an element of truth to it. And the reason why is because the last council I went to, which was about this time last year, um, God, it was quite a weird experience. But anyway, she sort of tapped on some sort of um, imagery and the imagery sort of would take me back to like sort of the 16th century. Now, what she didn't know was that um, I took a break from fostering and I just basically always wanted to write a novel and I sat down, I completed a 500-page novel in three months um, based on witchcraft into the 16th century. Um, big novel, uh, it's with publishers potentially now, but um, it... <laughs> I didn't plan any of it, it just came naturally and there's a lot of history there. I'm a history buff anyway, but um, I did write about quite a lot of stuff and in particular about the witchcraft... Um, quilts, the quilts of um, that they hand down. I don't know if you know about them, you probably do. Um, I just wrote about it and then I read about it afterwards. But I think if somebody read my book, they think I'd researched it um, and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, just a bit of background, loads more I can say, send me loads of questions, whatever, and I'll, I'll chat. Sorry, with a toddler in the background, it's really difficult to do anything. Uh, babies are asleep, thankfully. Anyway, I'll send this over. Thanks. Um, experience or told experience because I didn't remember this until my father, um, who's a total non-believer and um, very, very clear-cut, when you're dead, you're gone and that's it. So don't look for me, don't, you know, and even at his funeral, he was like, right, <laughs> well, he didn't say because he was dead, but um, he did say beforehand that, you know, at my funeral, you just go because it doesn't matter where I'm scattered, I'll be with you or I'm part of you and, you know, and that's it, end of. Um, so very matter of fact, but um, I have a very, very, very deep connection with trees and I hate when people say that person's a tree hugger or this and the other and I'm not, I'm, done, I'm not that and I have been one of the people that says that sort of thing without realising my absolute adoration of trees and it started from a young age at the bottom of our garden we had a beautiful weeping willow tree and a beautiful blossom tree uh, I only said recently to my husband that the next house we buy we're having both of those put at the bottom of the garden um, and I was as, I was quite a um, quite very different to who I am as an adult. I was very unconfident as a as a child growing up. I was insular. I spent a huge amount of time on my own, although I did not feel on my own, which is another thing to explore. Um, I'm extremely shy, you know, um, I'm extremely confident now, I'm, you know, a marketing professional, uh, foster care, I've done so much in my life and, it, and you would not know that of me, but that's not, I think that's quite kind of normal of people that um, sort of start life like that. Um, but one particular day I would get on my mum's high heel shoes and a handbag and I'd come out of the garage where I'd be playing with the you know, poor toys and teddy bears that were told off so much, I was so bossy. Um, and I'd run down the bottom of the garden, not, it's not a huge place, but um, 
it was where I could go and I'd run straight into the willow tree and stand at the trunk and then look back. So I'm looking through the, the, the hands and arms that I used to like to call them off the tree. And it's quite significant I say that because I then start to dance around the tree and I'd pass what I would, in my head, uh, pass the branches back. Um, and I remember one particular day, it was really, really sunny, but sort of coming at me without me knowing because I was about five six was massive clouds and there was obviously a storm brewing and my dad could see it. he was in the extent he was in the kitchen side of the extension looking down into the garden and he was watching me and you know I, I was pretty safe there but I don't think he probably did that very often and he could see me grabbing these art what I like to call arms of the willow tree the branches and passing them back and I sing and skip and uh, talk and spin round as I was talking to somebody and then giggle, lots of giggling and then just run from the bottom of the garden to the top and it was I was all happy in that but this one particular day I remember it after him telling me and it's always stayed in my memory and I guess it's one of those things that you know if it hadn't been him and somebody had told me it's almost like they planted it there it wasn't something that I remembered but he would say who were you passing the branches back to? And I was like, oh, wasn't on my own. I played on my own. Um, and he let it go because everything was mathemat- scientific or mathematical. I had to have a, a reason. Um, but that night, because it was awful, my brother was always like, if they had an argument or if they were discussing my dad's illness or something, I would, I would be the one that would could. I could, I could I, I can hear a mouse fart. I genuinely can. I don't need baby sensors in this house. I literally can hear everything. I've got such a high um, hearing capability. So I didn't have to leave my bedroom. And you'll realise why I never did uh, when I tell you my next story. But um, but I could hear them. And I could hear the echoes from the living room. I'd be able to work out the conversation. And this one particular night, he did speak to my mum about it and said, how many times does she play she just play on her own a lot and she said well yeah I know she does she got friends but and she'll spend a bit of time with them but she'll always come back and play um I used to spend time in my bedroom I'd create a garage or a classroom in my school and I'd mimic my teachers who were all had such unique amazing personalities and I, lo- I love observing people and even to now to this day I can um I enjoy doing that but this particular day he was quite you know right well it looked like somebody was standing behind her. I couldn't see who it was, but the, kind of the branches were sort of being held back. And uh, I remember that I kind of went quite cold and then my mum didn't speak. Um, and if my mum had said it to my dad, I would have been really um, not shocked because my mum's very sensory as well. My brother is as well. And my nan beforehand was. Um, who was a specialist in Ouija boards, although we were damned not to do it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's the first one. It's not, it's not major. Uh, there's huge, you know, a lot... There's a lot around that that I can talk about, but um, that's basically um, the first sort of um, story, which is, I'm just saying, dancing around the willow tree. Um, yeah, so I'll go on to my next one. I'm sorry if you hear a toddler because um, she just uh, 
try and get my attention a lot but um my next one is these are not in particular chronological order but um i remember the the dancing willow tree um as i was going to tell you this one this one's right from the earliest age i can remember and it's not anything that i ever particularly shared with anybody and i don't think i've ever told anybody um until recently when I uh, was discussing it with a friend who's always intrigued by this stuff, whether she's a believer or not, I don't know. And I always hate that when somebody asks you questions and then they say, oh, it's just a load of shite. And it's like, oh God, why bother? Because I wouldn't really have a conversation about any of this um, or anything I've experienced from childhood because um, I've experienced so much even to, de- to today um, with anybody who's not interested. You know, you really have to pick your audience, I guess. Um, and it is so, um, it's so personal, isn't it? I mean, it really is. And and I don't expect everyone to believe. I'm not even sure what I believe myself. But, um, yeah, but this one um, is from the earliest time I can remember. Um, and it's um, obviously, it, 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 I, I, I'm struggling with it massively. And I expect to be blown down with this one because everyone will just say it's childhood trauma. And in particular, your, you know, the trauma is, You know, I I feel guilty even saying, you know, poor man, you know, my father couldn't help his illness. Um, But everybody will know that if a parent is going through that, then there there is trauma on a child and children. Um, And, um, you know, it's it's emulated into some imagery or something. And I I get that. And, you know, I'm realistic. Hopefully you can tell I am. Um, But I don't know. There's something about how I felt and how it appeared and, and stuff that would say it isn't. But I'm like, you know, if it is, then great, bang on it. I'm not even putting it out there. You know, we won't enlarge on it. But this one I'm going to call the Chinese man or the Chinese man at the top of the stairs. And I guess it comes and you know, it's from the fact of parents aren't going to take you upstairs on your own anymore um you've got to go up on your own you've got to be a big girl and I didn't particularly feel like that you know um I guess I was in many ways because what we had to deal with day to day what we had to hear the doctors we saw the nurses we saw um uh was horrendous and the and the volume my dad was in hospital not like a, a week a, a day he was in hospital for dialysis before his transplant three times a week most weekends we spent there we had our own room really um he would also be in when he was poorly for six seven eight weeks at a time um and for the last part of his life practically six months so um yeah it's um yeah, he, the trauma that caused by that can I I, I get the uh, people who would say that it's it's going to cause some negative effect or it's going to create imagery of fear that's manifested in a different way. I knew there were seventeen stairs um, from the bottom to the top. I knew that, so I didn't have to count them. I didn't have to do what the adults wanted me to do was to count them to take my mind off things. But the minute I got onto the first step, I'd look up as most people would do if they're going to go up a flight of stairs. And he was there. And he is um, um, a Chinese man. He's got jet black hair. He's got a Chinese face. And he's all dressed in black, almost like um, the, uh, the uh, I don't know, the film, the programmes of the 70s with the um, karate kid and all that sort of crap that I never watched, obviously, because of my, my phobia. But... Um, you know, imagery was out there, but it, but it did look like that. 
but he was so sinister. His face was down and he'd wait until I'd see him when I hit the first step. But then as I got up, further up to and I was counting two, three, four, five, when I got to six, seven, his head would start to rise. Um, and it wasn't a friendly, lovely Chinese face. Um, it was sinister, it was menacing, it was murderous, it was threatening, and um, it caused so much distress that I could lose my balance, I could slip, I could run fear would I mean my mum and dad were standing at the bottom of the stairs for God's sake but I couldn't understand I really really couldn't understand why I couldn't see it I mean I'd look at them look turn back as though as though they were going to be able to see it for them to turn around and go Jesus Christ what the hell is that and they were just like well go on then you know the light's on you'll be all right and we'll come up once you got yourself into bed come up and say goodbye good night you know this you got to be a big girl now blah 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 when I got to te- step when I got to step 10, um, <laughs> his, his hand would come out and his finger would do the come to me sort of thing. And I would close my eyes so damn tight. I never, ever saw steps 14, 15, 16, 17 and I'd just leg it in. And I think my mum and dad just thought, well, that's the fear. And I'd run into the door, slide the door open because it wasn't a shut door, it was a slider door. And I'd slide and then just run jump into the bed, no overhanging feet on the bed, hate all that, still hate that, still can't do that. Um, and then straight into the duvet with the duvet over my head. And um, he would he was, he was he would be there till, I mean, he, he's, a, he's arrived now in my memory, he's arrived now in my mind, he's very clear, he's very distinctive. Um, but he, but he, he was there, he was there. I mean, I remember sort of stepping around him, I never went through him, my brother would walk through him, but I would walk round him. But as I went by, he never, he never grabbed me. He didn't move his head. It was almost like, but I could look to, I could literally sort of go past him like he was a, a, a full-formed human being. And I, I could like tap him on the head if I wanted to and, um, or give him a kick or what. I felt I could do that. I never did. I never touched, I never tried to touch. Um, but the fear of, oh, the fear when my mum and dad had those rare, very rare nights out when my dad was probably a bit better and we have a babysitter. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because they weren't aware, I would forbid anybody to say, and I'd live in my own internal fear, pretty much like I do with my phobia all the way till the even to this age, really. Um, and, you know, the, the, the babysitter would go off and go to bed. My brother would kind of aware that I was what he would call a wimp. Um, but he would help me also. And we've been through so much together. But sometimes if he wasn't feeling, you know, normal brothers, you know, I'll get on, you know, get up the stairs, you wimp, and just leave me to it. Um, and that's when I'd freeze and I couldn't get past. And I just, yeah, it was so traumatic. But I guess... You know, um, I mean, I'll leave that one with you. I, 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 I yeah, um, he's, um, yeah, he's, he's part of my childhood. He's there. And, um, but again, on that one, I could potentially say that that could be an element of, of trauma. Um, don't know. Um, 
But just extend that a little bit. Once I was in bed, I knew, I mean, all kids, I'm sure all kids do this, but they, you know, fearful kids. And I was very fearful. And, and there's re- obviously I've explained there's reasons for that. But fear of the dark, immense fear of the dark, seeing shapes. I can I can make forms, faces, uh, figures out of nothing. I can do it with the clouds. I can do it with patterns on the carpets. You know, that's not that's not supernatural. That's just a, quite a imaginative. I was very imaginative. Definitely say that. Tick that box. Um, but I would sleep with the do. Du- it wasn't a duvet, was it? It was just bloody blankets in the seventies over your head to the point where I couldn't breathe and I was suffocating. Um, but even to quite a late age, I mean, I'm not talking fifteen. I mean, that's just sad. But if I, I could be eight, nine, and I'm still calling out to my mum and dad in the night, getting really upset because I couldn't breathe, I couldn't sleep, and I was so petrified that there was somebody in my room, and it wasn't that there could be. I really did feel there was a shadow just standing in my room and it just got closer. The more I got to sleep or the closer I got to actually losing consciousness into sleep and and becoming vulnerable, it got closer to me. Um, So I'd shout out and I could feel that that presence, the the power of the presence disappearing or moving back. And then they'd go, yeah, yeah, you can come in. But I couldn't. There's no way on earth They'd shout it and kind of expect me to arrive, which was, you know, at that age, is, is, you know, you'd be old to be doing that, but I was so petrified. Um, and I couldn't. And then they'd have to get out of bed, which, I mean, it was only a small house. You, you literally four steps and you're in my bedroom um, and get me and take me back in because, one, I couldn't get my legs... I couldn't take the blanket off my head. I wouldn't be able to take my legs over the side of the bed. And I wouldn't be able to walk because I was completely petrified. Um... Um, yeah, so I could explore that one, um, if you wish. The next one, um, give you a bit of background on school. I, I went to a, a convent, all girls, Catholic school. I was brought up a Catholic till I was 16. My granddad was an ex monk uh, before he came out and had four children. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, Religion is the bane of all all horror, uh, and um, can't say that I don't. When things go horribly wrong in life, and from a cancer, I am a cancer survivor. So you know, the first thing after diagnosis was shit. God, you got to help me out here. You know, I'll, I'll I'll be good forever. So yeah, I turn on it when I want to. Um, but a um, dedicated. Catholic? No, I'm not. And I stopped at the age of 16 just because of the pointlessness of sitting there listening or not listening as the case may be um, to recital after recital of not really understanding, caring or um, having any degree of um, respect. And I've got even less respect now, now that all the um, abhorrent um, behaviours of so-called priests and um, their protectors has been revealed. Not that that shocks me at all. Doesn't shock me at all. Um, but yeah, as with any um, school, which is yeah, it's, it's a good school. Came out with nine levels. Absolutely fine. Not going to name it. But you know, all girls together. Teacher doesn't bother rock, rocking up one day, and so we haven't got a replacement. And thank God we haven't got a nun popping in doing some more religious education just to just to cover the time. Um, we decided to do a bit of a seance, 
as you do. And I, I was, as I told you, I, I was never the ringleader. I was never the one, the, you know, the, um, the one that controlled the class. There was definitely two that did that. Um, but I wasn't one of them. So I was a bystander. But out of a bag came a Ouija board, which I thought, Jesus, how, you know, I might carry some lipstick to school because we weren't allowed. It was extremely strict. I got sent home once when I had cream socks on instead of white. It was a good day because I got stabbed by the local school girls from my previous school because I was out with no protection, which was <laughs> classic. Um, that was a good day, you know. Christ, might they? Forget white socks, they were bloody, or cream socks, I should say. They were red by the time I got home. Yeah, not impressed. Um, but anyway, um, one particular girl seemed really switched on to this. Now, as I said at the beginning, my nan was, um, she was really Catholic, really Catholic. I get very confused about this. I mean, I was brought up a Catholic. I can recite the church. I could recite the whole service because that's how, you know, don't, don't, don't really understand a lot of it, but I can recite it. And that's pretty much how they were. Um, and, but the one thing she said, but she was very into, you know, like, you know, she'd have a gypsy rock up and give us a tell a fortune or um, she'd do a bit of that. She, there was something mystical about her, but the one thing I remember her always saying, because my mum was a little bit of a bugger working in the factories, and they all got bored of working the night shift. They'd do some stuff, and she was like, honestly, do not do the Ouija board, never do it. And, and that, to this day, that always stayed with me. So I did step back, but I was in the room, and somebody decided that um, they could do a mirror, get a mirror, and that we all... And great storyteller, this one... It'd be great if we could chuck her down because she's got some great stories. But she said that if you get a mirror and say the far, the 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 this the far, the father's prayer, our father backwards, um, and stare into the mirror, then the devil will actually appear. Um, well, you know, you only have to say that in a in a Catholic school classroom uh, with 30 or 28 however many of us bored girls um, and as the storm outside it's going to happen and it did and um, everybody was blase everybody was um, um, you know yeah it's just bullshit it's, you know just let's just do it isn't it? absolutely shit ourselves and we did because the girl that took took the um, who said it and controlled the, the the poet, the the, the um, prayer, and said it, and um, got to the last word, and could froze, absolutely froze. We're all staring in the mirror. None, I think all of us were facing the mirror, um, but we did close our eyes because um, we didn't want to see it. Um, I mean, I believe in good and bad. Do I believe in all that? I, I don't know, but there's definitely good and bad, and there's there's good and bad people. There's good and bad feelings. There's good and bad emotions. You know. I think that Satan, God, is the epitome of that. I mean, we don't want to go there because it's just such a big, big bloody subject, isn't it? Um, but as I said, you know, as um, somebody's been struck down with, with an illness and um, I can't say that I ain't going to pray um, when, when, they, when, it, when, I need, when I need to. But, uh, yeah, anyway, um, the, cl- the glass complete. She, uh, she must have whispered the last word. She must have said something, if, you know, if it's true that we've got to complete the prayer. But the glass absolutely smashed in absolute pieces. And so did we just scattered 
Um, you know, we were legging it down corridors, corridors that were just silent and scary on most days that none of us wanted to go down. We were down there happily running down and hiding in dark corners because we were so, so damn petrified. Um, what's weird about that is um, most of the girls in my class achieved quite highly, except for the person, and this is probably a fluke, but except for the person who did that, who ended up in prison for attacking somebody who actually did lose their life and uh, went on to um, not live a long life herself. So that is ironic or could be, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Um, could just be a fluke, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that was um, a school memory. My next one I'm going to call the psychic because I've got thought of another another name, but um, this is this is unusual. This is really weird um, and um, almost um, too too weird, if you like. However, uh, my mum was a nurse, and um, after my father had passed, she was still very very young in her late forties, obviously, um, and. Um, it was time for her to enjoy her life a little bit so she used to go out a lot with the nurses and I became very friendly with them I'd spent a huge amount of my life in in hospital with the nurses anyway so we were all kind of a big big family and um, as anybody will know and you all particularly the men know they have a good time but this one particular time my mum had um one of the um nurses had managed to get um um, a slot with a really renowned uh, psychic that you have to wait years and years for. She'd applied for it years before. And then when she got her, she said, look, this has happened. We've got a couple of people that have lost people. And it'd be just really wonderful if we could all just come in a, a, like a minibus and um, just be all right. We'd reduce our time, take 20, half an hour. You know, we understand that some people will get messages through or you'll sense that from them and, and not others. And we'll accept that. And she agreed to it and... Um, Anyway, my mum said, you won't come. I thought, not in your life am I going there. I don't need any more bloody crappy news. I don't want to know what's happening. I just want to live my life because it had been a little bit restricted until then. Um, so um, the day of the, the reading, oh, God, it's so weird, so bloody. It's a really stormy night, a stormy afternoon, and my mum's like, oh, I'm not sure I want to go. And I'm like, oh, I'll just bloody bugger off and go. Um, you know, you have a whale of a time. The, the, the least that you're going to do is get pissed and have a really good laugh. Um, you know, anything else is a bonus if you do believe that sort of thing. Um, anyway, the driver of the minibus was a nurse, and anyway, she got sick. And so my mum rang and said, I'm home. You're at home doing naffle. So, um, do you want, would you mind taking us? Would you mind driving us in the minibus? And I'm like, Jesus Christ. You know, I, I'm quite scared of psychics and anything they've got to say, but being in a, driving a minibus of bloody pissed nurses is even more scary. But okay, anyway, they, each of them will come on, and do it. Oh, said my name then. And they really, as you can do it. Um, and I did, and I thought, well, what the hell? And we went along, and of course, normal, you know, if you're writing this, people would go, oh, sod off, you know, what a load of shite. Remote house, middle of bloody nowhere, couldn't find it. Drunk nurses coming out all over the place trying to find, navigate, trying to, you know, reverse here, reverse here, where there's a massive bleeding ditch. Um, all that, all that. I mean, really good laugh, but, you know, anyway, I managed to pull up. 
Well, I managed to go up this like rickety road uh, with potholes and the rain's absolutely bloody torrential. And um, the, the lights of the minibus sort of like latch onto this woman standing at the gate of this really long drive. And I, because I'm so, I'm a bit, I'm, I went a little bit anti everything after my father died it was like well you know what god takes a man who's you know had uh, renal failure has had three heart attacks had cancer through the illness and also went bloody blind you know how much more do you want to shove at someone i was a bit angry as you can imagine um and then takes his life at 47 well thanks for that you know all that was going on in my head um so i wasn't open to all this crap so um anyway She's directing us in down this driveway, walking as slow as a bleeding snail. I mean, I was dying for a wee, um, getting up to this massive bloody house. Um, and, and suddenly in the back, everybody goes really, really quiet. Um, I don't know if they needed a wee or not. I don't know what it was. But then they decided to get themselves all in order. And I'm sitting in the front of the minibus and I get, I get a book out magazine or something. I go, right, I sit, sod off the lot of you. And then there's a tap on that. Even now, I've just gone really cold, really cold as a tap on the door, on the window. And this psychic standing there, and she went, I know that you're all sorting yourselves out, but you're the one I want to see first. And I said, well, you'll be lucky, mate, because I'm not even part of the group. I'm just the driver. And she looked across at my mum, and her eyes were just like, she said, I, I hear you, um, but I've had so many messages for you today that I'll do it for nothing for you. You've got to come first. And my mum was a bit miffed, I think. She, she wanted my dad to come through, and I'm going, oh, yes, bullshit, this is. Uh, and the nurses are like, really? You know, rammed on about four or five bottles of wine each, and they're rolling around in the back of the minibus. So I thought, oh, they're never going to get themselves organised. It's going to be an absolute dreadful night for more waste of hundreds and hundreds of, hundreds of pounds. Anyway, so mum goes, go on, you go. So she walked me in. She knew I was petrified. She could hear the sarcasm in my voice. Like, yeah, this ain't going to work for me. So you can rock on and, you know, shove your talents up your ass and all this sort of shit. Um, anyway, um, I am out of the room. I'm not in front of the foster child swearing, by the way. Um, I'm going to have to pop back in again in a minute. Uh, anyway. Um... She sat down and um, she said, I know you don't believe. I said, whether I believe or not, it's irrelevant. I said, I, I really don't want to be here. She said, if you don't want to be here, that's fine. I just got a message that I need to give to you. I went, go on then. And she said, well, you're blonde. I know you can see, sitting in front of me now, you're blonde, extremely blue-eyed. Um, but the man that's standing in the corner is jet black hair and he's got green eyes. Oh, that was my dad. And so I started to take attention and she said, um, she said, he has whispered to me that you're not going to believe it's him because one, he told you when he's dead, he's dead, that's it. Um, not to look for him. I said, accurate. I mean, I, did, I wasn't, I could hear her saying these words. So how the hell do you know that? I didn't even, I didn't even question that. I was having a conversation with her, which just went, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. That's exactly what he said. So I'm not believing this. And then it sort of dawned on me. How would she know that? Which is just ridiculous. She said, so he's holding the piece of paper. And he knows that this piece of paper is making you really angry inside. Um, and he wants to talk to you about that. And I went, go on then. And I said, what, what is the, she said, it's his death certificate. And I said, okay. Um, and I did feel sick because 
what is written on that death certificate pisses me off beyond belief. Um, and it's and she said, and it's the word pneumonia. Now, my dad had suffered all of his life with renal failure. He had it at birth. He lost a kidney. He then lost a second kidney later on. He shouldn't have lived past two, nine, eleven. The doctors said to him, do not have children because you'll pass it on. It was a risk they were willing to take. We were all tested. We were absolutely fine. Um, because he wanted them and he didn't believe it's something about him medically that he just knew so much about himself because he had to cope with so much um, and control so much um, that he took the risk and, and, you know, whatever, good. I'm glad I'm here and I'm glad I'm his. Um, it's a privilege to be his daughter, um, you know, when um, wish more people could say that about their parents. Um so, and, and through the whole of his, and then obviously he got ill and then he had, we had children and then, and then we campaigned as well, you know, and, and raised money for, the, for kidney failure because cancer, and I am a cancer survivor, as I've said, but many people, you know, you have to say the word cancer and everybody drops money into a, into a hat. And, and, I, and I get it, it's a big bloody killer, but so is renal failure and donations and transplants and the awareness of that. So we were very, very entrenched, entrenched into that and part of the Kidney Foundation and um, helping to make a difference, to communicate and all that. And then, you know, he dies in hospital. We all know from this and they write on the death certificate pneumonia. And now I know that pneumonia is a side effect and gets most of us when we, when all of our... Um, ability to fight diseases uh, goes down. Pneumonia gets you in the end. But come on, you know, that death is now not going to be awarded to, or, or, or assigned to renal failure. And therefore, research and that, the, the, the death figures are just not high enough. And therefore, the investment by governments are not going to be um, as they are for cancer and, and, and the profile's not high. So it made me extremely angry. And I spoke to her like I'm talking to you at the point she said pneumonia and then I stopped I went how the hell do you know that she went because he's standing in front of me he's, sta- he's standing next to you he's not going to do this very often but he just sees and feels the upset he's okay he's not in pain anymore he wants you to be okay he wants you to not be angry well, I was I got pissed absolutely out my head for about five six years afterwards but I was angry very angry um yeah, mainly because there's morons walking across the earth that want to kill or murder or abuse children, and yet they're allowed to live. But a great man um, who had so much to give was taken, and I just think it's bollocks um, and unfair. So yeah, um, so that was um, that's the psychic. Um, I mean, loads went on there. There, my mum did get a message, which was lovely, um, but um, yeah, it was just weird because she didn't even know I was there, but she knew my name. Um, he warned me off on a particular boyfriend that I was with. <laughs> didn't listen to, nearly got married to, but thank God didn't. Um, so yeah, just um, another weird, a weird experience. This one again is, is out of order, but this is probably one of the biggest. Um, and um, probably one of the most significant in my life because um, I do believe that um, I managed to convince my husband that um, something was happening and he is like my father, you say you marry 
men, men like your father. That's not a bad thing in my case. But it's very scientific, very methodical, very practical. And, you know, he'll listen to you. But then at the end, he'll go, oh, God, what a shite. Um, and that started on this story. However, um, it changed at the end. And I'm going to call this one the hairdresser. I'm not going to say where I lived because I do think she would probably be somebody who listened to this. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. But um, I lived in a beautiful part of the world um, in the south, and um, before moving to Suffolk, and um, I was one of those really, really sad individuals that was so obsessed with her hair that um, she wouldn't let another hairdresser do it. So she. I used to travel. I'm talking about myself in the third person, that's a bit odd. Um, I used to travel 70, 80, maybe more miles to go and get my hair done every four weeks. Ridiculous, back in the Midlands. And there was nothing or no one that could convince me that that wasn't a good thing to do. Anyway, my husband was away this one particular night um, was in the house and the door, something got shoved through the door and it was a, it was a hairdresser who'd set up in a... Um, uh, um, like an old um, what's it? Oh, that's um, uh, like a, a water, uh, an old barn sort of that sort of conversion. It's not that, um, which is probably a good thing. I don't remember facts on that. Um, but anyway, they set up loads of small businesses in there, and she was setting up a hairdressers, and it literally was over the road. Now it's a shame I can't say where I was because it's extremely. Um, steeped in history but um this particular building and the land it was on was very much like that as well i'm not gonna because it uh, no on this one definitely not um and anyway um i picked this leaflet up and normally i put it in the bin and i did put it on the side and i went to work and i came back in uh, a couple of weeks and i picked it up i thought do you know what oh, i can't keep doing this you know my hair costs a huge amount as it is but actually traveling that that distance is is stupid as well so I gave her a call and she went oh yeah a lovely lady yeah brilliant you know come over tomorrow night and I'll just look at your hair and see what we can do and and have a little consultation and then we'll book you in fine perfect and it literally is over the bloody road magical so um I did it and I left work came home um, I had a little potter in the garden, it's a nice summer's evening, and then walked over there. And the minute she came out, and this is when, going back to what I said about myself, very sensory, I just had this warmth and feeling, which she then said that she felt the same. And she sat next to me and we chatted like really good friends and she looked at my hair and, and she said, yeah, um, yeah, what sort of style do you want, blah, 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 at the consultation. And then she got up and um, she said, um, uh, were you going through any stress at the moment? And we were trying to have a child and it wasn't happening. Um, lots of different interventions and stuff. And I went, oh yeah, but I said, why? She said, I just, no, 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 I just, um, just feel a bit, you know, a bit, a bit of anxiety. And I went, bloody hell. So I came out to have a consultation about my hair. Um, she said, it's a matter, no, no worries, no worries at all. So I went home. Anyway. The anxiety that was happening was not that, well, it could have been. But what was happening or what started happening, and we lived in a, a like, an, I think it was 1980s sort of like executive home with the double garage, you know, the old shebang, but um, beautiful it was. Um, 
sort of um, dog leg staircase that went up. We've got a massive chandelier on the top and then a really long um, like corridor um, landing that went into the bedrooms and stuff. Not really a huge house, but it was really beautiful. And my husband had got a job and he was away. Um, I don't know, say, say, let's say for four or five nights a month or something, staggered. Um, when he was in the house, different feeling. When he went out, it started to feel different. Um, and it started with sort of just feeling uncomfortable, not relaxed, and then to really being aware that I don't feel comfortable and I feel cold and I go to bed a bit like unnerved and not sleeping and practically sleeping with my eyeballs open uh, eyelids open eyeballs eyelids um to the first night that I heard something which I was on the phone to my mum who lived in Suffolk um and we weren't anywhere near there at the time and um as she's talking she went oh, it, who's that I went, what, what, what do you mean? She went, who's that? I can hear footsteps. Now, I'd heard footsteps along my landing upstairs, but I just thought, oh, I actually tried to dismiss it as madness because it's easier. And um, I went, God, can you hear that? And she went, yeah. And I went, I don't know what it is. I said, it's just bloody hell. It's really odd. So anyway, she came up at the weekend and nothing happened as it didn't. But... Um, and... It would just be the same every night and every time he was away. Um, and so I'd experienced that. I knew there was something potentially wrong. I knew or felt, if you're going to use the word, that there was a some form of presence. Um, and it had the ability to make noise. Um, could I tell anyone about it? Not a hope. I told my mum. I actually told my mum because she was like 200 odd miles away that... Um, it gone, it was just, I don't know, it's just one of those squeaky pipes and all that sort of stuff. But my anxiety was increasing ma massively. Um, to the point where I get quite emotional if my husband said he'd be away. Normally I'd be like, yes, get in, one night, girls around, here we go. Um, but no, I, I completely started to click out of that idea and was quite scared. And my routine started to change. This is just, this is all pre-meeting this hairdresser, just giving you background. I would literally walk in the house. I would become unable to function, like to relax in my own home and maybe go do something in another room and then come back down and, you know, do a bit of ironing somewhere else or watch something or play music or eat dinner. I'd be very, very in room, shut door. That's how I felt. Whether I did that or not, I don't know, but that's how I felt and that's how I remember feeling. Um, anyway... Um, I went back to see the hairdresser uh, for the appointment date that she'd given me and um, I sat in reception and she came out a normal, a friendly, friendly disposition, disposition as she'd had before but again, she seemed reluctant to take me through to her salon which was literally a room with one seat in it obviously renting by, by, by seat and I knew I had to go in, but I thought, hey, we're going to do the consultation out here again. This is getting a little bit much. Maybe I will drive all the way back to the Midlands. And um, she touched my shoulder and she said, I, I just got, I, I, I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I said, well, why? 
you know, I feel uncomfortable now and I only want my bloody hair cut um, and coloured. So she went through the, the colour chart. She went, come with me, come on, let's, let's break through this. And she kept saying, it was almost like she was fighting something. Um, and I sat in the chair and I put my feet down. She put the apron thingy on, which is always a relief. So you're not looking at yourself in the mirror and all the... Yeah, it's always a very, very horrible look in a hairdresser's mirror. Um, but she was almost reluctant to touch my hair, to touch my head. And um, I could sense it. She was talking about different things. She was being really pleasant and stuff, but there was a definite fear and I was starting to feel really uncomfortable. Anyway, she put her... Um, it hands got a scissors and a, and a and a stuff and put hands through my hair and the minute she did that she explained it later as though she felt her body repel off me um and i just sensed that she just moved back and she jolted and her whole expression her demeanor her her aura changed to something angry and she carried on she did my hair it wasn't brilliant because she was desperately trying to get through it as quickly as possible um, she asked me if it was okay at the end. We really didn't talk very much. She just kept trying to breathe. She tried to swallow. I could sense that she was struggling a little bit on that. And then she puts it at the end. I said, yeah, it looks great. I want to get out of there, to be honest. So it's lovely. Thanks very much. And she said, I just got to ask you a question. Have you meddled in the um, black arts? And I just looked in the mirror and went, what the fuck are you talking about? No, what, are you, what? What? I've come to my head. Didn't you? I've got to ask you because you have bought an entity into my house, into my salon, and I know because you don't know this, but I am actually a psychic, sort of figures. Um, and I, and she said, and, and I can see him, and he's in the corner to the left hand side of you, and he's hooded. He looks like a monk. Oh, surprise! They all do, um, but he's very dark figured with a with a hood up. I went, well, I don't know what you're talking about, but. Um, I don't appreciate you saying that and I'm, 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 I'm really offended by that and I, I, I don't need this. So I started to get up and walk out and she chased after me. She said, no, but something's happening in your house, isn't it? And I just looked at her and, I, and, and obviously that's where... Um, I, she took me back because she was very aware that she could see what I was experiencing, um, which I never really encountered that before. So um, I obviously left and she um, said to me, I've got your mobile number, I'll send you a text or whatever. And and I got home and um, um, my husband was home, so it felt more comfortable at home. Um, and then he sort of said, oh, you don't look very happy about, you know, sort of having your head. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, it's just a bit weird. And the words she'd said or what she asked me had played on my mind a little bit. Um, and she wasn't, I hadn't dabbled in what she said. But what I had done was found a book which... Um, had been in our collection but I'd never ever read it or anything before and it 
I won't say the name of the book, but it it's sort of a book that sort of opens your mind, your ability to um, envisage, to imagine, to create, to, if you like, open or unlock um, your mind. And I'd hit on a certain chapter where it really caught my attention and, I'd, and I also tried some of the techniques. Oh, that's really clever. Um, and I'd used it as part of relaxation, to be honest. But one of the techniques was to imagine um, a room and in that room you then make it brilliantly white and um I'm not going to go through it all because I don't, I don't even like talking about it. But basically, this was creating what I didn't know at the time, but but, but what I later realised. And obviously, if she has an ability, and I use my, you know, I've got my fingers in the air doing that with, you know, your little speech marks ability. Um, it creates a portal, and I'd found it really, really easy to do. Um, uh, in my mind, and the room that I'd envisaged was my ensuite in this house, which backed on to the room which, um, if we'd had a baby, would have been the nursery. Um, and that room was um, sort of mirrored. We've got a big bedroom with an ensuite, but 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 that bedroom sort of was smaller, obviously. But it but it sort of backed on from the ensuite, so you got like a long wall um, where the ensuite went into that room, if you like. Um, so it created a corridor down before you went into the square area that would have been the nursery. But basically, that got a single bed in, um, and it got quite a lot of stuff dumped in there. Some of it being my husband's dead father's hat, watch. Um, pen, that sort of thing, because he died about a year earlier. But it was one of those rooms that it also got the, the laundry basket in that you kind of walked in, quickly put your stuff in the laundry basket, walk back out again. So it had no life in it, nobody lived in it. Um, if someone came to stay, they might sleep in it. Um, nobody really complained of anything, but I'd, I'd never spent any time in it, if I'm honest. Um, we got another three, some more, another three bedrooms in there, so we sort of didn't go in there. We've got another bathroom upstairs, we've got a bathroom downstairs, so it just didn't really need to go anywhere in there. So, but the room started to become quite significantly cold. It became uncomfortable, and even my husband at that point, before anything else had happened, said. I didn't like that room very much. And I said, no, maybe you need to do a makeover on it. But we hadn't done a makeover on it because we were hoping to have a baby. But um, so um, it didn't get touched. So this played on my mind a little bit. And um, I thought I must find that book and, you know, have a read or do something. And anyway, I walked through the village about two, three days later. It was the weekend and bumped into this woman again and she was very apologetic and I'm really really sorry and calmed down obviously and I said no it's all right I just found it really uncomfortable it's not really what I I come to have my bloody hair done um it's all a bit freaky to me and she said oh you got time for a drink and I said yeah 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 so we popped into the local pub any excuse um sat down and she immediately started to have a go again but sort of like, I know you've done something. You've definitely done something. And I said, look, I've read a book. That's all I've done. But her whole approach was, 
you shouldn't and you don't have the ability and you don't have the knowledge and therefore you're dangerous and people like you are dangerous and blah 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 and it's it all offensive again and I really couldn't be asked um and I told her so and anyway she calmed down a little bit and said look I'm really really sorry I just sent something I you know I've been around a lot of people that have done a meddled in things and I've had to put it right and things attached to me and it makes me angry and I'm like, oh, I don't really care, really, but you really irritate me now. Anyway, she said, please come back. I, I do apologise. I, I know we didn't really do your hair the way I wanted you to, to be done something. Let's come back. Uh, come back a week Wednesday. Okay. So that time came round again. And um, I went to the salon and it was absolutely horrendous. I sat in the chair, I could see that she was off, I could see that she was fighting something mentally. She kept closing her eyes, she kept um, trying to focus and talk to me, but she just simply couldn't. Um, she started to work on my hair, got halfway through, and then said that I had to go. I just, I needed to step outside the salon and I need to leave her with this thing that I now brought back into the room again. And oh my God, I was just one scared, really, really unnerved and a bit bloody pissed off, to be honest. It was like flipping it. You know, I can't go out with bloody half-coloured hair. Um, so I sat in the salon, uh, sat outside and she came out. She was absolutely exhausted. She was drenched in sweat. She was um, well, just weird, really. And she said that she'd um, fought it. She managed to get rid of it. She knew there was a problem. Um, she got some background. She knew what it was. Took it back into the salon. Apparently finished off my hair. I just want it over with. And I went home. Oh, God, I was so unnerved. But in the meantime, at the house, quite a lot was going on. The step footsteps were increasing. I was getting angry. I was getting anxious. Um, until one night, and it was the last night before my husband, I told my husband that everything was going on. And I stood, um, I, I ran up the halfway up the dog leg staircase and I shouted to it. And I said, oh God, Jesus, if you, all you're gonna do is run up and down, walk up and down, if you could do more than that, why don't you just come to me? Why don't you show yourself? Why don't you do something? And it was like a rush of footsteps towards me and then stopped just before me on the staircase. Well, that was it. I'd legged it, mate. I'd gone in my living room, shut the door, waiting for my husband to come back. And I was absolutely pale as 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 anything. And I and I knew I needed to explain um to him everything that had been happening. Uh, uh I don't know where to start here. So um do that. But um he came home late and um, had a chat about work and I then um, went to bed and God, this is the part that I really struggle with um, I'm quite a uh, upbeat, happy person um, I get nerved, I'm not chat, chit chat about stuff but I just had this sense of extreme um foreboding and um, I, I mean, I'm literally laying in bed 
sort of spooned my husband. I can, I, I can touch, you know, body's actually touching and I feel very kind of safe. And I fall, fell asleep until I woke um, in the early hours of the morning. I didn't have to know, open my eyes to know that there was something standing right beside my bed on my right side. My husband was on the left. And all I can say and all I want to say, because just the imagery that comes back is just too bad for me, was that I knew that although my husband was in millisecs, milli, millisecs, seconds or whatever it is away from me, I knew that this thing could get to me before I could get, I could, I, I could wake my husband. And that isn't because he was in a deep sleep. It was just, I just knew and felt a power of horrendousness, of just awfulness, um, terror. Um, and I could squeeze my eyes open a little bit and there was just a massive dark shadow and I just froze and I just literally closed my eyes and just moved, really edged myself right, <laughs> practically trying to double into Paul's image to get, get as close as I could and pull the duvet out of my head like I did when I was a kid. Um, and I've I got to say that I, I, can't, I can't explain it any more than that because if I do, the imagery is too powerful for me to, to bring it back and it's just horrific. And I'm actually talking to you at night now, which is, I mean, all my others have been doing, chatting to you have been in the day and this is night and I'll be a bit more subdued because the baby's in bed. Babies are in bed now. Um, and, uh, yeah, just... No, quite, and actually the bed I'm in, we talk with us. No, it's creating bad memories. Um, anyway, I decided the next day that it was time. We were going to Paris, actually, um, and uh, we got on the Euro tra- tra- Eurostar, and I decided we were facing each other on the train. I decided to tell him, and he did listen, and I knew he would listen. It was just his, what his response would be at the end. And... Um, I got what I thought I'd get with him going, well, that was shite. However, what he did say was, I just didn't change in you and, I, and, I, and I, I'm aware of that. So I can't poo-poo something off for not believing the fact it has an impact on you and the fact that your behaviour has changed. And I can see fear means there is fear for you. The fact that I can't see it or feel it doesn't mean that it's not there which I thought was a bit of a step change. Anyway, went away for four or five days to Paris, came back and um, he got off to got through the door and made a joke of it. Stood on the bottom stairs, stair of this dog leg staircase and almost did what I did and shouted up. Um, he didn't ask for it to come to him. He asked for a sign, anything, do anything. If you've got that amount of power, do it. And um, I told you we've got massive chandelier on the top, but we've also we also had mini chandeliers running along the bottom hallway, and all of the lamp the bulb smashed instantly. I could see it was unnerved. There was no mathematical. There was no scientific. There was no um, way he could explain out of this, um, apart from him saying, "Wow." Coincidence that they both exploded at the same time. Uh, well, it wasn't. Um, and I just went into the kitchen and sat down. Um, anyway, 
talking about this woman, he was like, don't worry, let's not bother with her anymore. I, I, I was, she makes contact with her to just do one, travel 70, 80 miles back to the Midlands, do what you like, but just leave this woman alone. Anyway, she then started to get really, really every way she possibly could to get a hold of me. She wanted to tell me the story. She wanted to tell me what it was. And what I'm going to do is conclude now because it's just going on forever and ever and ever. And what the upshot of this was, she said, was that the house that we were on, although it was modern, was built on an, um, a medieval or a... I don't know, she's, I, think, I think it's that. I can't remember. Um, um, the land itself was used for hangings. And in her mind, or her th- opinion or theory, was that um, the level of the window would have been the hanging site, and therefore the portal I created through reading this book would have created this entity to come through, and he was a monk. Why there was monks? Don't know. Anyway, he was a monk, had been hung for abusing children or something. She wanted to say children, but I don't know whether that was just relevant because she knew that that would get to me and I'd probably listen, I don't know. That's how I felt at the time, I've got to say. But anyway, um, that that was the case and that um, I'd allowed him in and he was the one in my house. The other reason why um, I don't particularly <laughs> want locations or anything done was two years later, uh, we decided to move to Suffolk and we sold and went and nothing had happened after that everything had gone and you know if she'd done anything then clearly she'd done her job if she had any ability didn't think about it about six months after i'd moved to suffolk i got a call from my neighbor asking that the people who bought my house had asked me if um i'd experienced anything in it i just went cold and i said why what they did um i then distinctly remember she was pregnant and she'd had a baby. Put the baby in that room. They converted it to the nursery that would have been ours. Nursery if we'd had a baby. And the um, thingy that goes around the top of the cot was constantly going all night. Because someone was turning it. The baby was responding. The baby was being prodded. The baby was being woken. The cro- the clo- the rocking, um, the rocker on the cradle was being pushed. Um, and they left. They sold and went. And since then, I don't know what's happened. But um, that's always stayed with me. I found it pretty horrific um, and a bit weird. Totally weird. Particularly this woman. Well, they've gone. No, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.